You're listening to the podcast of East River Park Christian Church. If you'd like to find out more information about the church or donate to this ministry, please visit us at eastriverpark.church. We pray that this is an encouragement to you as you grow in Christ through the local church. Today is October the 12th. It's a Wednesday. And the Yankees won yesterday. You good? I'm good, I guess. Hey everyone, welcome to another Behind the Message with Jason and Chris. What are you laughing Your for? Your voice changes do you want, like, whenever you do this. I guess you turned my podcast yeah. voice on. <laughs> I noticed it last week. I and guess it's because we haven't done this in a while. And now, striking out. <sighs> For the New York Yankees, Aaron Judge. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, have you never heard anyone like call a football game? Yeah. They turn on their announcer voice. I guess I had, I worked in call centers pretty much my whole life, so I guess I had my phone voice. I don't, I mean, I don't think I'm doing it intentionally. I just I don't know. All right, well. Well, now that I feel very self-conscious, we start in this podcast <laughs> off and, um, um, you know, I was trying to get, I told you, Derek Woodward is yeah. coming in town for the very few people left that remember him, <laughs> <laughs> our former associate pastor, uh, I don't know, uh, he's, he's coming in and he texted me this morning mm-hmm. said hey do we want to record it tonight or nah and i was like nah and i'm like i just want to get it i just not get it over with i just don't want to mm-hmm. come back late tonight and record it and i'm sure you don't either so yeah. sorry derek uh you're not in the podcast because you're not a part of our church anymore so <laughs> <laughs> but no yeah so the woodwards are in town mm-hmm. um i don't should i was I supposed to say that publicly? I don't know. I mean, I guess it's not a secret. It's not. It's not like he's the president. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think he's hiding from anybody. I've got two words for you. <laughs> Never mind. I was going to make a Joe Biden joke. Um, all right. Well, let's get started. Uh, we are going to talk about godly families today. Uh, that was the the theme of the message from this past Sunday. So, but before we talk about questions from the passage, uh, let's just talk about godly families. Kicking it off, Chris, uh, did you grow up in a godly family? And if you did, how'd that help you become a godly man? Because I think you're a godly man. I would say yes. And I, it would, I guess, growing up in a godly family kind of lays a foundation for you. Mm-hmm. Um, Set, seen people set examples in my life that I still couldn't look back on and remember, you know, later on in my life, how they lived their lives back, back then and how others lived and served. So, yeah, I would say, yes. Yes, you did. Yes, I did. <laughs> well, I had a really rough childhood. Um no, I didn't. I you literally didn't. talked about this in your sermon. I did. So it was a test. Yeah. Does anyone? So you already answered. You just this listened to the message I, today. <laughs> I worked on Sunday. Chris was sleeping in on Sunday. No. He didn't even come to church. No. Kind of ironic. So with this message. No. What were you doing? I saw security. You, and I saw you up there counting how many people were in church. Yeah. Out of the window. Yeah. Yeah. I would. <laughs> yeah. You looked like a Bible character or something up there. Um. <laughs> Yes, I grew up in a godly family, thankfully, and um, I, I guess it, it helped me, and, and hopefully this is an encouragement to anyone if if they are trying to be a godly family. Uh, it helped me uh, in two primary ways. One, I mentioned in the message that it showed me just the faithfulness to the local church, mm-hmm. um, and we were just always there. It, whether it was Sunday morning, you know, I was a youth group on Wednesday or just different things. We were just always at church um, and in a good way, you know, like we yeah. were, I mean, I played 
thousands of basketball games outside of of uh, New Hope Baptist Church in Kentucky and uh, so it showed me that but then it also I didn't mention it showed me the biblical virtues uh, by the way they lived so just mom serving others and showing hospitality and dad uh, with uh, just showing kindness like how to talk to people and then integrity like a big one for dad is like don't don't lie like Mm. i don't know if he's been lied to his whole life i don't know (laughs) like that was just the thing that you know really would get him cranked up was you know don't just tell the truth don't Mm. lie um and so i bring that up to say like maybe because i wouldn't say they grew up in like bible saturated homes um but neither one neither of them Mm. um now, I think that they probably grew up maybe in and around church, but certainly not moms and dads praying for them, showing them scripture. I'd be shocked if that was mm. what actually happened. Um, but what I, I bring that up to say, maybe they couldn't point me to like a Bible passage to say, you know, I serve others because this it says this in scripture. But just because they lived out biblical virtues, um, you know, that helped me live out biblical virtues. So, right. um, so yeah. Well, that wasn't like a goofy, crazy icebreaker question, but we just dove right in there. Mm-hmm. Um, we finished chapter one of First Samuel this past Sunday, and verses twenty-one through uh, twenty-eight. So, I gave. Intentionally, Chris, we're going to go, I, I did not answer a question in the message Sunday. Usually I have like a thematic question, oh. <laughs> and this time I did three priorities of godly families. I right. like intentionally was like, I'm going to go away from the question this week. I don't know. It was just my own little quirk. But this Sunday we'll go back to a thematic question, um, and I'm about one-third of that message done. So It's Wednesday. That's good. I know. I know. I'm breaking records. So three priorities um, of godly families from that narrative in 1 Samuel 1, 21 through 28. The first one was, godly families prioritize worshiping the Lord. Chris, yep. what can we learn about being a godly man from Elkanah worshiping the Lord? So um, Elkanah would go up every year to Shiloh to pay his vow. Um, so he was devoted to the worship of the Lord. And in this uh, particular instance in this scripture, they had a newborn, and he went on to worship the Lord anyway. Mm-hmm. So I guess you could say he set he set that example for his family that there's nothing more important than, than the worship of the Lord. Yeah. Um, That's good. I'll take it. I'll pass. Well, Especially it came from your sermon, so... <laughs> I hope so. This is the, this is the most brilliant answer I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> so why is it why is it healthy for a godly family to be in church every week? Uh, I, I would say for one, it's the same reason it's healthy for any individual. Um, you're being surrounded by saints that love you and encourage you. Can't really do that when you're just watching or listening online. Um, you're, you're able to use specifically, you're able to use your gifts in the local body as intended. Um, I think that's a, I don't know how much of a tangent we want to go off on. Um, but like when COVID hit and all the churches were like, well, we're, we're not canceling church. We're moving it online. I'm mm-hmm. like, y'all are, please don't use that language. Cause y'all are going to, that's going to come back to bite you. Um, and I think it has and did, um, and so that's just one example. Like you can't use all of the gifts that God has given the local church when you're just watching mm-hmm. a service on Facebook or YouTube. Um, so, yeah, it's important because you're you're getting to use the gifts that God has given you in the local body to encourage. That's that's why the gifts are given. Um, and then you're you're sitting under the faithful exposition of the word 
by someone else other than your own voice. So you're not just studying the Bible for yourself, which you should. Right. But um, you're hearing it from somebody that that knows you, uh, which is also why just listening to someone online is not a substitute for the local church. Um, they don't know you. John MacArthur, if that's your guy, he doesn't care about you. He doesn't know you. Right. Like, he doesn't know what you're going through. Um, I'm trying, who's an opposite of John MacArthur? I'm just throwing out names, people. Furtick. Does Furtick Stephen care Furtick. If he's, if he's not teaching borderline heresy, I'll go there. Uh, it doesn't care about you. He doesn't know you. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying you can't get anything from these guys when you listen to them, but they don't know you. Right. And so part of being a part of a, a local church, like when I write messages, I have the church in mind. I know mm-hmm. people in the church. I know what they're dealing with, and I can bend not oh that would be bad right. well that would be bad um elder, well no let elder, me say bend, emergency elder meeting. bend the application not bend the message of the bible <laughs> like i know it means this <laughs> but no but i maybe bend lean the application more towards what our church is actually mm-hmm. dealing with um, because i know people in the church right. um I'd say specifically for the family, why a godly family needs to be in church is it it takes a godly village to raise godly kids. Um, And I've seen that uh, in my life, but even in my kids' life as they get older, um, just having other godly voices in them in their lives that I might say something to them, but just because I'm dad, you know, like, Maybe they need to hear the same thing from another godly person yeah. in the church. So, um, your children need godly friends, um, and hopefully, you can find that at church. Not always, but right. hopefully. And uh, I w- lastly, I think you need to be surrounded by godly parents that value what you value, especially in the culture, just the way things are going. Like you need to feel like, oh, we're not the only ones yeah. struggling with this. Um, other parents are trying to raise their kids up in the Lord, and they're struggling too. So, um, yep, that's what I have to say on that question. <laughs> uh, Chris, can a godly family ever be too involved in church? Absolutely. What does that look like? I mean, people can get too busy with anything, church, yeah. video games, life, etc. I mean, it's good to be involved at church, but you need to make sure your priorities are the Lord's priorities Make sure you're doing this for the Lord and not just to be busy or to put, you know, something else off to use as an excuse. Like, oh, I'm busy. I'm doing this. You know, I'm doing the Lord's work. But are you doing the Lord's work or are you just avoiding life? Yeah. Um, So, yeah. No, that's good. I think your son's here. Is he? Well, someone was here. I think it was your son or a ghost, church (laughs) ghost. It is October. Yeah. He has to go to work. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I mentioned it on Sundays before. Like, I mean, especially around here. I mean, I could be gone every night of the week mm-hmm. doing something uh, that is good in and of itself, but is keeping me from being the godly father and godly husband I need to be at home. Um, and the danger is people on the outside would see that and say, Hey, good job, Jason. You're right. busy. That's you know that's a good thing. And I'm like, no, I'm just busy doesn't always mean it's good. So, um, yeah. yeah, you can definitely be too involved in church, and it keep you from uh, you know what Christ has called us to do. Yeah. So, all right, two. Godly families prioritize the fulfillment of the word. How did Elkanah honor the decision of his wife? Uh, he did this, but he supported that decision that she she made. Um, as you mentioned in the sermon, he could have easily canceled the vow. Yeah. Um, and what was her decision? To give her... to. Maybe we the, should have just read the text, too, you know? <laughs> 
to uh, they she gave her son to to God to the Nazarite the yeah. Nazarene vow. Yeah. Um, yeah. But he yeah. did this even though it changed their family radically forever. Yeah. He he went ahead and and supported her. Right. Well, and her the decision. the and the decision that she wouldn't go with well, him. She would, yeah. Right away. She would, um, yeah. Which he says like do what seems best for you. Um, even though he could have easily said, no, no, you made this vow. Let's, let's go. Yeah. That was what you wanted to do. Um, I heard, uh, someone in our church sent me a a sermon, I guess a church, where's Murfreesboro, Tennessee? It's like Middle Tennessee. That's what I thought. Okay. It was a church in Middle Tennessee that started a first and Samuel, first and second Samuel, uh, study. Maybe about a month ago, and so they sent me a link to one of the messages. It was about this passage, and um, the pastor was talking about how important it is for uh, those first three years, because that's how we think how long she she weaned him. So it's probably mm-hmm. about three years. How important those first three years are for the carrier children. Now, I didn't go right into that on Sunday. I, I, one, just because of time, and two, I don't want parents to feel like, you know, maybe parents don't have the financial freedom to just stay at home with their kid for three years. Yeah. Um, but I do agree like that. That's That was an important decision she made. She's going to spend three years of her life caring for her kid, loving her kid, and, and investing in her kid. Um, and... I think if parents have an opportunity to do that, don't give it up just because you want to chase a career or yeah. money or whatnot. So, but again, not everyone can do that. I don't want parents that are like, hey, we're just trying to pay our bills, you know? <laughs> I don't want them to feel guilty for that. Right. So. All right, let's go. So, Jason, how can godly families make decisions together? Um. You don't see them often anymore, but um, you can still find, you know, the Magic 8 Balls at Walmart. That's a good option. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, drawing, like, uh, casting lots. Um, all of those are pretty good for a family. And then, um, yeah. Um, <laughs> I was going <laughs> to... Uh, all right. I... Uh, f- I don't think these are in any specific order, okay. um, but certainly seek the word. What's the, what's the Bible say? That's the most important. What's is there? Is this decision? Is there a decision that's um, clearly sinful? Well, that's not yeah. a hard decision to make. Like, don't right. do what's sinful. Um, seek wise counsel uh, and just people you love and trust that love the word and love you. Just ask, hey, what do you think about this? Um, uh, ask each other questions and listen, especially for husband and wife. Um, just ask, hey, you know, what do you, what do you think about, you know, if we moved here, or we, you know, I took this job, um, all of those things, and really just listen. I think you'll find out often. Um, the answer when you listen and then obviously pray uh, again this is no specific order but yeah. <laughs> but spend time in prayer and ask god for wisdom on uh, making a decision together um i can only speak for myself i mean i, I this wasn't really a de- this specific time wasn't the decision when we moved um, from FCC in Illinois to here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was presented with, like, when we were in Illinois, like, should I go in to Lexington, Kentucky, and help my friend with his church plant that he was starting off the ground? And I, I went to Lexington for, I guess, a weekend and... and stayed with them and just kind of talked with him and some other guy that was, uh, well, I'll throw names. I don't know if he'll, I don't think he'll ever know. It was, uh, so it's Herschel York. He's the, um, pastor at Buck Run Baptist in Frankfurt. It was his nephew, I think Hagen York, that was, um, 
also like maybe going to do this church plant with us. And mm. I don't know, it was strange, but I love uh, Aaron, my friend that was starting it. And I still text him often and we make fun of each other. Go figure. <laughs> and uh, I know uh, we went to college <laughs> together, all those things. So, um, so then when I got back, Cora and I really talked about it. Like, is this what we, is this is what we should do. Um, and I, this isn't on my list, but I mean, we did, we made a pro, I remember we made a pro cons list in our kitchen and wrote down all the pros of moving there and, and trying this. And obviously we'd be right by family and all that. And then, you know, all the cons and then just saying, would that be worth it? (laughs) And, uh, so I will say this for, especially for husbands and wives making decisions together, um, don't ignore the heart of your wife, especially mm. if she loves the Lord. Um, if if she's leaning a certain direction, that's probably God using that to tell you where where and what you need to do. Um, mm. I can't think of a time, even in my own marriage, where like God's like, "Hey, you know, let's go here." You got to convince your wife though; she's stubborn, <laughs> you know. Like, <laughs> you know, like, no, I've just always prayed. Um, especially like when we were in Illinois, if, if, if we were called to stay there for another 30 years, um, that he would change Corey's heart to, to be at peace with that. And, um, I guess I can carefully say now like that she didn't have peace in that ever. Uh, And we loved everyone there and still, I mean, I was, I just texted someone from there 30 minutes ago. So, um, but that, that was also a sign to say, okay, well, God's kind of using that to send us somewhere else. So, um, although those are tough. So let me go to the next question. Does the father husband always get the final say in that decision making? No, he doesn't. <laughs> Um, what would you, that look like? You mentioned again. I'm taking all this from your sermon. Uh oh. Okana said, like only you know, only may the Lord establish His word. So I mean, it's the Lord's will. I mean, it's the Lord's will should have the final say in our decision making. Are you okay? Over there? I just spilt water all oh. over my face, man. Sorry. So <laughs> it would come down to the. I mean. The Lord's will is what we should always be striving to do. Okay, well then, and let it's me, not always easy, but let me press on that then. A little. Okay, let's say it's it seems like because the problem when people make decisions, it's not like you've got, hey, do you want to go to, you know, this Satan worshiping university, or do you want to go to like Christ exalting university? You're like, well, okay, well God's will is for me not to worship Satan. I'll yeah. go to the other one. People are usually jammed up because they're like seem like morally neutral decisions, and they're just like I don't know what's best. And so, mm-hmm. in those situations, who who makes the final call? <laughs> after, after okay, a time of prayer and yeah. seeking your wise counsel that you mentioned earlier, you would make okay. Hopefully, the decision. Via, yeah. Hopefully, a, a feeling from the Lord. Yeah. So, I would still say it's the Lord's final decision. Uh, yeah, I, I, in a way, I do agree. I, I guess I'll give, um, just in my own marriage, when we've been faced with so many of those decisions, um, Corey has always done a. a a very humble, encouraging job of saying, you know, at the end of the day, it's your decision. And um, and knowing, if you know Corey or anyone listening, if you know my wife, like, she's, she doesn't, you know, she's, she's, she's very strong-headed. She's a very more natural leader than me, um, you know, and, <clears throat> but when it comes down to very serious stuff, like, she's always done a good job of saying, you know, no, if you tell, like if, in Illinois, if you say to stay, we'll stay. If you say to go, we'll go. Um, and so I think there is a level of, of, no, I will be held responsible 
for that decision before the Lord uh, more than I think my wife will. Um, and I can be wrong in that, but um, that's how that's how we have made decisions uh, in our, was it a little over 15 years of marriage? So, um, yeah. And uh, we were, where were we? The other, oh, we had a gift card and okay. we went to, we had an Outback gift card. And I was like, I don't want to go to Outback because they just disappoint me all the time. And but you can take that to Bonefish Grill because they're all a part of oh the same family the same right. family and I was like I haven't been to Bonefish in like ten years so we went to Bonefish it was excellent um, it was expensive <laughs> even with a gift card um, but we were talking just about life and then I was like wait a second she's I said how long have we been together <laughs> and not just marriage but like right. we've been together more than half of her life and certainly I'm um, it's coming up on like half of my life I've been with her and I was like that's it I just you know get married young before she realizes like (laughs) how many life altering mistakes she's making (laughs) (laughs) so anyways um, we've been together for a while I like I like that woman Um, moving right along Jason, how can a godly family stand on God's word? I don't know if I'll allude to it later, but I certainly mentioned in the message, standing on God's word is not using the word as a weapon in the Bible. Um, But I think it is good parents need to read the word for themselves first off. You're you're trying to be a godly family, but mom and dad never reads their Bible. Um, it doesn't, well, I'd say probably not a godly family. Uh, so read the word for yourself. I don't care if it's on your phone, tablet, or right. a physical Bible. And I'm not saying you're perfect in that either, but you know, make that a part of your, your life, your schedule. Uh, talk about the word in a conversational tone, I think is good. Um, just thinking out loud, even when we do that PK catechism, as ridiculous as that is, some of what I do like about it is just just to be a conversational tone. Yeah. It's not like, here's what you we believe. You believe that? All right, let's move on. You know, like just to, yeah, just to have a conversation about it. Read the word to your children, obviously, is good. And then um, explain your decisions with the word as much as, mm. po- as, much as possible. Um, and I say that, and I know the face you just made. I say that is probably we all struggle with that the most. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Because it just—it's like an extra step of parenting when you're just already like exhausted, and maybe you just do it the next day or the next week, where you just say, "Hey, remember when we made that decision? We did it because you know the word tells us this, um, and I'm accountable to the word more than I am like." whether you're happy or not. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, fun, fun. Well, Chris and I, uh, we just wanted mm. to take a break here to inform you that we have parenting figured out no. and <laughs> we are, <laughs> it's not even funny. <laughs> All right. Uh, where are we at? Point three, point three, godly families is the last one. Godly families prioritize the care of their children. Uh, Chris, I love this one. I love this question. Should you make your children come to church? All right, you ready? I am. I said, yes. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. That's from Matthew 19, 14. If I pressed into that, I'm not finished. But okay, go ahead. no, you go. I want to have because I might okay, come it back. It will ultimately be their decision to give their life right. to the Lord. It says let, not they... make, though. Like make them come to Jesus. Oh. Go ahead. I want to hear your full answer. I'll stop interrupting okay, you. So, I'm sorry. I mean, it's got to be their decision to give their life to the Lord okay. if they so choose. But yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with bringing them to church and yeah. setting a good foundation. Um, yeah. Yeah. What do you mean by 
about like drag your children? Is that what? Because that's not how I took the question. Let's say you got a teenage kid that's like, I don't, I don't want to go to church. You gonna make him go? Yeah, because a this, I mean, because this is your home. You you make the rules. Yep. I'm not. I mean, you don't have to give your life to Christ. I'm not forcing you to do that. But you're gonna go and do things that that the family does. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Um. I'm 100% on that page. Even with young kids, I know it's gonna get even more difficult. Um. I think if anything, at least the Sunday worship, where you say no, we go as a family to worship the Lord, is non-negotiable. And uh, that's that's what we're gonna do. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, I heard Alistair Bang preach on that. I thought it was, um, it was really good. Just because it was a reminder, like, you know, so many, especially kids, like they don't want to go to church, especially if they have to sit in the whole service. Right. Um, right. It's not. You, you're missing the point if you think like. Like you're gonna let your kids only do what they want. You don't do that in mm-hmm. any other area. So why would you yeah. do that? You know, it's when it comes in the most important area. Um, I'd say for, uh, let's say, more teenage kids. Um, Bob, the pastor in our last church, uh, he has three boys. Well, they're all grown married kids now but i remember him talking about like if their kids didn't want to come to youth group you know so you know it might look bad if you're like well the pastor's son's not coming to youth group (laughs) you know or whatever so uh he told them and i I thought it was good advice because there there is a level where you're like you can't you don't want to ruin your kid because you're forcing them to do a bunch of things they don't want to do um but yeah, Sunday was non-negotiable, but let's say for youth group, he I think he told them like you can go to any youth group. Like I I want if you go with like your friends to another youth, to group, youth group, you have to go to youth group. And if you don't, if you choose not to, then you're going to sit at the kitchen table and do homework. But those are your only two options. Right. You don't get to go to your room. You don't get to like go to watch TV, nothing. Take take your pick. And so Obviously, the boys are like, well, I'd rather just go to youth group than sit out here <laughs> and do homework. <laughs> so, um, but I know parents, especially in today, parents are like, well, do you know we don't want to force our kids to do this? I'm like, you make them go to school? Yeah. Like, why do you make them? Are you only making them to go to school because you don't want to go to jail? <laughs> <laughs> like, or is there a part of you that thinks, yeah. like, maybe this might be good for them? Like, then force them to do like sit under the most life-changing teaching mm-hmm. and you know oh, eventually I, was, I, when I, I didn't want to go when i was a kid right I, yeah i would rather have done anything else but yeah mom we there was no no question we well, were going <laughs> when i was a kid like we wanted to go hang out with our friends that's yeah, it. later on in life when i got older yeah it was like maybe not till late high school where i finally was like i i have a bunch of questions about the bible and God that I want answers. Well, in high school. Nice. Late, yeah, I know. Well, that was a good... <laughs> well, no, I didn't get my time later. But, you know, that drove that. But other than that, like, we just wanted to go, you know, hang out at church and we goof, you know, we're goofing off in the message sermon and, you know, yeah. we sat, yeah. well, we sat in the front and then I remember I... I As a teenager? Young, early on teenage years, I <laughs> elbow my friend during communion I don't know if he'd be my friend. Oh. And I elbowed him during communion, and it spilt all over his khaki pants. And he yelled at me. This middle of communion yelled, and the pastor just looked at us. And he, I, I swear, he said, "I need to see both of you after church." This is like in church, and I, like the public rebuke. And I was like, "Uh oh!" So after church, I boom beelined it to my parents' car. I was like, "I'm not getting caught by this guy." And he flagged me down in the parking lot, and uh, yeah, we got a verbal lashing for for goofing off during uh-huh. worship. And then, so then we all moved to the back. Teenagers moved yeah. to the back, and that's, then, that's where we always sit. Yeah, yeah, I sit in the back, and then they because they they'd bring like these revival preachers in, and you're like, these guys are 
weird. <laughs> I remember this guy talked on uh, Pentecost, and we just sat in the back tallying how many times he said Pentecost. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what this guy's talking about. Back and oh, yeah, you're just... So, but all of that, I mean, it's so healthy, you know, like, of course, even in the middle of all that, I was still learning things. Right. You were still hearing. And still know, hearing still and, and, and we're just being there, yeah. you know, so I, I think that's non-negotiable and parents are, are failing their kid when they don't make that a priority. Um, yeah, well, I don't know. Will I get in trouble for that one? I don't care. I don't think so. How? Oh, this is for me. This is for you. Jason, how can you use scripture with your children to encourage them? I kind of already said this before, so I'll give my second answer here. Use it to show them the glory of God more than a rule book of all the things they don't get to enjoy. Hmm. Um, yeah. That would be the biggest. Show them, like, the Bible is, of course, there's the law. And how we live our lives, but the Bible is is the narrative of redemption. So for me to talk about Scripture with my kids, it's to encourage them to see like how awesome God is, and that there's hope in their life, and not just look, hey, you're really messing up, and I want to affirm that you're a mess up with the Bible. Yeah. And then you're like, well, I don't know why they don't like the Bible. I'm like, yeah, because they don't like themselves, <laughs> you know? So it's, you know, build them up as you, you know, build up God bigger than them. Um, so, yeah. All right. Well, Chris, what role do grandparents and other family members play in raising children to love Jesus? Um, they should be a support system. Hopefully they are reaffirming. Uh, the things that the parents in the ter- church are teaching the children. Uh, just a, an additional layer yeah. of support. Do you have godly grandparents? Yeah, absolutely. Good. Good. Um, all right. Well, I'll go on. I don't want to share everything about my family and life. Summary point. Uh, godly families are called to live differently. So I'm going to have two extra questions on top of that one. Uh-oh. Did I give them both to myself? Oh, I guess so. Why Those, did I do uh, that? So, Jason, how would you respond to your child that doesn't want to live differently? Um, mm. I guess just spank them. Yeah. I'm just, <laughs> you can learn today, kid. Yeah. When we adopted... I'm, should I say this? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> when we when Early on in the adoption process, the social worker was like, don't tell us you're going to spank your kids. Cause, really? Yeah, because, I mean, she's like, yeah, you can obviously spank them, but just don't tell just us. don't tell us you're going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and I know, you know, this whole gentle parent, if you if you're if you are a gent, like this gentle parenting trend, uh, you know, don't bring your kids over to my house. <laughs> you know, like just, I mean, we already have a dog that ruins everything. I don't need your kids to come over and destroy our house. So, yeah. Anyways, all right. <laughs> Real talk, though, is be an example of a living differently. That's a big one. I think godly parents are like, you know, like, well, don't do what I do, but, you know, this is what you should do. I'm like, well, how about yeah. you just live with integrity in front of your kids? That's that's the most changing. Yeah. Right. It's hard, though, because you said something just there. Like, you tell your kids stuff about you growing up in your life, and they are quick. To throw it in your face. You yeah. Know? They're like, hey, you didn't do this. I'm like, I know. Exactly. I didn't. And look how wonderful my life has turned out. That's yeah. how I turned around. But That's a good, different yeah. perspective. Cause, I mean, seriously. Not that I was perfect. Uh, I certainly had sin uh, in many different ways growing up. But I was also the kid that, like, singing in the youth group worship team, you know, yeah. like, youth group every night. Signed my little purity pledge, you know. I was the good. I sang "I Can Only Imagine" on Sunday morning. <laughs> That's a true story. Um, I also sang. Uh, oh, what's that boys the men song? End of the road. <laughs> no, it was a. It was like a, an elementary school choir performance. 
and I, it was like a, it was in some little quartet, and we all had a little solo. I think it was Boys and Men. We're going to look that up after. Okay. Um, not just the song. I, hopefully there's no proof of me doing that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyways, so, yeah, no, that's a good, that's tough. Oh, well, yeah, of course, it's a lot tougher than it's, it, and then just saying it into a microphone. Um, I think it is good to explain why as much as possible. You know, I, I mentioned it, and like my kid doesn't need a why for everything. Um, they should obey because, you know, we tell them to obey. Right. Uh, but a why is, is incredibly helpful as much as we can. Uh, lastly, this, this is not super practical. I don't have anything super practical right now, but I think it's fostering self-awareness and confidence in your kid. I mean, you want your kid to go to school or be among friends and not necessarily fit in. Right. Well, then they better be very self-aware of who they are, um, and be confident. I guess, yeah, now that I say that, let me give you an example. Like, we tried to change languages, and I I don't think I even heard this from a Christian perspective, but uh, change language in our house, or like, okay, well, you know, we tell we tell the truth in this house. Mm-hmm. Like, you're a pain, you know, not a. Uh, I mean, I guess it's P A Y N E. Like for those of you who don't know, Jason. <laughs> You're pain and pains tell the truth. <laughs> Things like that. I think it builds into like that's their identity. That's who we are. We tell the truth. And so that when you have that kind of language with your kids, you're building up like a who they are, self awareness and confidence where they say, you know, all their friends are lying about a situation. And they're like, yeah. are they're not just um so to lie with their friends is not just to join their friends, it's to to, to like deny who they are mm. that I mean that when wow. you can get that into them then that, I mean you're hoping you're like yeah you shouldn't have gone that because pains don't lie yeah um, which you know they still lie to me on them. <laughs> but <laughs> it's a work in progress <laughs> work in progress uh, all right let's go on oh Chris yep oh I like that what's the difference between a religious family and a godly family I would say that a religious family Practices certain rules, follows certain laws, and certain traditions. Where a godly family, where a godly family home is like one that operates in the pattern of Christ's own self-denial and faithful obedience to God. Who solely depend on their relationship with Christ. Yeah, You said that like that's not a good answer. I don't know. I always feel like I'm... No, I think that's... I always second guess my own answer. I think that's incredibly deep. I mean, because a, a religious family is often almost very easy to do. Like, you got your normal Check, little yeah. traditions, your, your moral list, your code of ethics that may or may not be based on Scripture. Right. Um, and, but to be a godly family is like, no, we're all here to deny ourselves and follow Christ. You're like, well, you don't hear that from... Yeah, I guess when working with teenagers... Um, for many years, you know, there was a difference. Like you didn't hear, I I need to deny myself, follow Christ. I want my kids to love Jesus. You didn't hear that from religious families. Right. You heard that from godly families. From religious families, you hear, man, I love that my kids at youth group. Um, you know, I love that. You know, they're doing really well at school. You know, all of these things are good. But it's like, that's not your end goal here. Right. Like, because youth group will end. Then what? What's your kid got? Like, y'all aren't even in church. Like, youth group will end. Where's your kid going to be then? Uh, so, maybe the end goal is drastically different. So, no, it was good. Thank you. It's just your face was like, I don't know, man. I, just, I, don't... I do. You don't even know what I go through we need, when I put this together. We need to... <laughs> We need to record. We need to video this stuff here. All right, we got one thing of battery left. Let's keep it going. All right, so your final question for the main part here is how can those without children support godly families? Of course, just wanted to add that uh, because I didn't want 
it is important just because you don't have kids doesn't mean this message or this podcast is not for you right um simply yeah you you don't have kids but you're able to foster kids and adopt kids obviously i'm all for that um we adopted ezra and eliza they don't know yet they don't know that yet um i love to tell people they do know they do know they've met their birth mother and all that stuff plenty of times uh but when i tell new people and the kids are sitting right there i I try to be like real loud and i'm like yeah we adopted them um but they don't know yet you know (laughs) the kids are just sitting there (laughs) no they do it's a very open adoption it's a great relationship uh serve in children's ministry is a great one and show grace certainly when we didn't have kids and we saw parents with kids we're like we know how to parent and you obviously don't and i'm like you don't have you like show them some grace like they're they're just tired and trying to make it through life you know so show show some parents and families grace when they have kids and then just pray for them uh, when you think of it pray for your friends that have children and their kids and all that all of those things are good things so all right uh concluding question um you didn't like it but it is halloween it's it's getting up on halloween and i posted a do you see that link i posted on facebook I, i did see the link i didn't go look at the article but i said that because this question and i looked it up is very close to the same question that you asked last halloween well if so. I don't remember, no one else remembers. <laughs> it's a good yearly Halloween question. Okay. I answered it. Okay. The question is, how many Ouija boards can your children buy? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just joking. <laughs> Have you ever played with a Ouija board? No. A real one, no. Is there fake ones? No. <laughs> I'm <laughs> like a real one. <laughs> I played with... I played with the dollar store one, just not the Walmart one. I haven't either, nor do I, nor would I tell anyone. If you did, like you, sh- you well, <laughs> no, I promise I've never played with a Ouija board. Nor would I condone that or tell anyone in this podcast or our church. Like, yeah, that's fun. Go do that. No, please don't do that. But <laughs> the real question is: Should parents let their children dress up as scary characters for Halloween? That's that's our ending Halloween question. I said yes, but only if they feel as if they can honor God doing so. <sighs> All right, that's fair. And also said I've never really cared for Halloween personally, even as a child. Because it's I, scary. No, I just I, I don't know. I just never cared for it. I think on Sunday. Uh, before I preach, I'm going to say, please raise your hand if you have watched Hocus Pocus 2. Yeah. See how many confident hands will go yeah. up and be like, well, now you can leave our church. <laughs> I mean, at a certain point. We watched it. We did watch it. You get old enough where you can go get your own candy. So other than the candy aspect of it, I don't see the point of it. I don't. Yeah. I don't know. Is Nightmare Before Christmas a Halloween movie or a Christmas movie? I've not watched it. You've not watched, I've not watched it? You're I've lying to me. Hocus Pocus. No, I'm telling you, I do not care for this holiday at all. I mean, not even is it a religious or thing. It, I just don't care for it. So there's not. it's not because of a religious conviction? No. You just don't like candy? No, I said I like candy, but I was like, at a certain point in time, you can go buy your own candy. You can go get what you want. Yeah, but at a certain point in time, I can't just go take and eat my kids' candy. That they, I mean, I can, but like they get a decent haul, yeah, you know. I just, I don't. All right. Sorry. Well, I will say, if you want thoughts on Halloween, I go. did post it on Facebook. You can read. I thought it was a very helpful article. Um, I guess to your point, Chris, I don't care either way. In some level, uh, I, I, I did. I mentioned during staff meeting, it does bother me. Not, not that it offends me. I mean, come on, yeah. like if you're a we're not, I'm not going to go off on the offended tangent, but, uh, like it doesn't, it, it does kind of bother me when you see these young kids that are dressed up like Chucky and like murderous 
characters from rated R movies, and yeah. you're like, did you watch that? Like, your parents let you watch that? You know, I'm just... I mean, I don't have to answer to the Lord for someone else's kid, but right. at some point, I'm like, that's... Their kid's just too young. Please don't let them watch, like, that... Those movies, I guess? <laughs> you know? <laughs> so... I, I will say for our family, this is just us right now. So we got two eight-year-olds, uh, the twins, and then Judah's six. For us, we don't let them dress up like anything scary. Yeah. Um, so no ghouls, goblins, witches, axe murderers, anything like that. My kids like never that. did either. So. Uh, and they want to. They, oh, do they? Oh, yeah. Really? Like, especially Eliza. Eliza is a... See, people are like, oh, I think my... You know, like is is my kid like they're getting pulled into the dark things of this world? I'm like, yeah, cer- certainly, oh, yeah, maybe, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. But some of that desire is just because your kid's an adrenaline junkie. Yeah. Eli- Eliza loves scary stuff because it yeah. it spikes her already. Like she's just something else, and she it's the adrenaline kick she gets out of it. Um, it's not because she wants to worship Satan or anything. Right. But we just, yeah, we've had that conversation. You're not going to dress up like anything scary. Pick something else. Um, and, um, yeah, they we especially last Halloween, they on the way home from school, they tried to lecture me. I'm like, you don't understand Halloween. That's the whole point. The whole point of Halloween is to be scary. So, you know. Halloween <laughs> So even that article I shared on Facebook could be helpful. Like if you're, if you are going to take that stance, maybe it's good to say, actually, you don't understand Halloween and why we would participate in these things. So hmm. we done. I think that's it. All right. All right. Um, you want to pray? I can. Absolutely. Right. Uh, dearly father, just thank you for this opportunity that we can get together and dive deeper into your word and, uh, hopefully we are uh, sharing some some good news that these people can can take and, and to, to expand their study, their personal study, and their personal walk with you. That is our ultimate hope and goal: is that this reaches people and that they that they uh, have a have a reaction to to uh, get closer to you and to to have a better relationship with you. Uh, just thank you for all that you're doing here at East River. Uh, We thank you for all that you have done and all that you're going to do. And it is in your son Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. (sighs) This is Halloween. This is Halloween. You ever watch the Santa Claus? Santa Claus? Yeah. Tim Allen? Yeah. Yeah. All right.